This is episode 160 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jesse. I'm jumping in because I have a super limited time offer to share with you. So gather around. Through the month of February, I am running a four-week virtual pregnancy and postpartum core strength class. Now, this class is only open to our Two Pregnancy and Beyond members, but you are welcome to join us in the full session when you enroll for your Two Pregnancy and Beyond membership by this Friday, February 5th, because class starts this Sunday, and I hope to see you there with us. Each session will be a core, abdominal, glutes, and hamstrings-focused strength training class that will be modifiable to your body's needs in pregnancy, postpartum, or for your pelvic floor. And yes, you can absolutely do these classes if you have diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse, if you're struggling with leaking, or having some low back or pelvic pain. And in fact, we'll be working on specific strategies and exercises in all four classes to help you feel more confident in your core strength, reduce your incontinence, help you feel less achy through your whole body, and generally help you feel stronger in your workouts and day-to-day activities. Again, this class is only open to our two pregnancy and beyond members and is a totally free bonus with your monthly or 12-month membership when you enroll by this Friday, February 5th. So go over to the link in today's show notes or to the link in my profile on Instagram at Jesse Mundell for all the details to get registered and I will see you in class. Welcome back to another episode of Two Birth and Beyond. It's Anita here. If you're pregnant and want to get back to running after you give birth, or if you're at any stage postpartum now and want to start running, but you're not really sure when or how, or maybe you have pelvic floor symptoms or pain with running and think it's not an option for you, then you'll definitely want to tune into today's episode, which is a replay of our popular episode about returning to running postpartum. Jess shares how she coaches her fitness clients to be able to return to running, and I share as a public health physiotherapist how I help my clients return to running at any stage postpartum. So let's jump into today's episode. So today we have an episode for you all that is brought to you by popular request, and that is returning to running postpartum, which we get tons of questions on both Anita as a physio and me working in fitness. So we want to answer some questions that we commonly get about returning to running specifically postpartum. Although a lot of this stuff you can apply to lots of different phases in your life and with your body. So let's get right into it. I think the most common question that we probably get is 
how long postpartum do you need to wait until you are allowed or should start running again? So this answer, of course, as always, going to depend on the person and their own particular circumstances. For me and my work, I don't train or coach a lot of people who love, love, love running. It's not their number one mode of activity, but some people do like to do some of it. So I'm not coaching runners back to racing. I'm not coaching them back to running as being the number one thing they want to do with their bodies. So for me, I usually tell people that we're going to give it the first three months postpartum. We're going to go through that fourth trimester. And then if things are feeling right and good, and we've done some of the prep and foundational stuff that we'll talk about later in this episode, then we'll start crafting out a plan to get them back to returning to running. Three, four months postpartum seems to feel better on people's bodies than say starting to run at like six or eight weeks postpartum, which I would consider to be very early. So if you have had that six week clearance from your health provider and they say, yes, you can return to running, it might be possible for you to do so. And it might not actually feel that great on that early of a postpartum body. So again, for my people, we tend to wait through that first three to four month chunk, that fourth trimester, and then see how things are going then. What do you say to your people? Yeah, I would say uh, very similar. Um, Over my years as a physio and when I added pelvic physio, I've gone through changes with when um, that I'd often recommend. Um, there's been times where I've recommended waiting much longer. Um, but typically now I'm similar in terms of three to four months, usually I would say would be at the earliest. And that's looking at a number of things, um, symptoms and, uh, going through in terms of, there was a great return to running postnatal guideline, um, that was, kind of put together by three physios in the UK that we were hoping to have on the podcast in the future too, to go through it. And it came out recently. So it came out when I was on mat leave with my second. Um, And it's interesting because there's a lot of tests within it in terms of um, impact tests, pelvic floor tests, general muscle testing to give someone an idea. And this is accessible to anyone in the public too. So you can always check this out online. We'll we'll link it in the show notes. Um, But as a physio, I use this as well. And I use um, a number of the tests. So that gives us an idea and I relay that information to the client. So we go through different things to see like, are you symptomatic with this? How is this feeling on your body in multiple different ways? So that gives you an an idea if three months is going to be where we're looking to get back to. Um, And for other people, it's going to be longer. So it really does depend. I would say it's it's rare that someone um, at six weeks back to running that I've seen tends to feel good. And so sometimes it's that I'll see them later postpartum and they say they got back to running at six weeks and they talk about kind of what it felt like, but they kind of ran through symptoms. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. And I also did a previous podcast episode, you know, really simplifying how our body heals after an injury and kind of relating that to our pelvic floor, um, our core, our body in general, after giving birth and really at six weeks, like our, our body, our tissue, our pelvic floor is not done healing. Yes, it has gone through some of that initial phase, but really that six week mark is, is not as, as, 
the muscles aren't necessarily ready for that impact, that demand on the body. There's a lot of things going on. So just again, to keep that in mind, um, and really it's about if you are seeing a physio or with a fitness professional, it's about laying that foundation and you understanding that. So I go through with my clients today, I actually went through it with two of my virtual physio clients that that is their goal postpartum, their early postpartum right now. And so I talked to them about the exercises we're going to talk about a little bit later, but the reason why we're doing this, why we want to set this foundation and where we're going to go with it so that we're going to start doing these, progress them, and then keep testing to see when their body is ready to start running. So I think that's helpful for people to hear too, um, to not think of or to hear like running will be in your future, but not have a rough guideline or what is going to get you there so all the strength training we're going to talk about like there's a big purpose for that so you can feel good when you do get back to running love it so much in there i'm just taking notes as you're talking because i wanted to remember a few things my brain is a little slow this week um okay beautiful the one thing that you mentioned that I think is super key for us to consider, especially as fitness professionals, if you might be listening in, when we think of returning to running postpartum, this doesn't only look with, look like going out and running 5 or 10K. This can look like running sprints or running short, faster distances, and we're going to get to this more, but I'm just thinking of this from the perspective of running postpartum group fitness classes and what we typically see, say in a mom and baby boot camp, for example, that traditional type of group class that we might think about for postpartum fitness, you might not be seeing these steady state long run type stuff happening, but you probably are seeing some of this short distance running or sprinting happening in those classes with people who are very, very early postpartum. So if you run these types of groups, keep this in mind as you're listening through this episode. The other thing that you mentioned was ensuring that we are setting this foundation to be able to handle the impact. I think what we might not consider sometimes too is that running will really take a lot of load onto the body. So it is high impact exercise. I think that maybe we think of strength training exercise as being this heavy load on the body, but also running is a heavy load on the body with lots and lots of reps of it. If you're sprinting or if you're doing steady state longer runs too. And then the other thing, the last thing that I want to mention here is that I think we see a lot of glorifying how early we were able to return to exercise and particularly running postpartum. We see this a lot in the media, particularly again with athletes who are runners and how early they were able to return to this race, how early they were then able to qualify for the Olympics postpartum. We know and we have seen these stories. So check your own thoughts and your feelings around that, especially if you are a runner and you're feeling some of this pressure, this urgency to return to running as quickly as you can. If this is not your vocation or profession, then we probably don't have to push it. Yes, we absolutely want to support you in your physical and mental health. And we know that running can be so integral to people's mental health postpartum and Let's take care of the body as we do that too, from a physical sense. 
So let's touch on a few things that you're talking about. And that is how do you actually know? And let's say from a pelvic floor standpoint, when you are ready to return to running, are there any sort of signs or benchmarks that we should be looking out for? Mm -hmm. So interesting in the postnatal guidelines that I mentioned, um, they talk about assessing the pelvic floor. Now, typically, kind of traditionally, it's tested when you're lying down, which is definitely totally good to do as well. But it can definitely be worth testing in standing. So I do offer that to my clients. Um, that assessing the pelvic floor, you know, strength, activation, relaxation, um, what's happening if you're adding pressure to it. So if you're coughing and standing, what is happening to that pelvic floor? Um, I'll even have people do like lunges and squats while I can actually test their pelvic floor internally um, to see what, what is going on. What is the strength? Because it can be different than when you're lying down or sensation. So um, if you are experiencing degrees of pelvic organ prolapse, we can actually check that in standing as well. Um, pelvic pain, so many different things. So Act, being able to activate the pelvic floor against gravity is key. Um, and if you're a health professional, if you're a pelvic physio, kind of grading the pelvic floor, so kind of zero, one, two, three, four, five, um, you don't necessarily need a five, which is a really strong squeeze and lift. In the guidelines, they talk about having at least a three, so that is a squeeze and lift against gravity and going through um, uh, quick reps, sustained reps. Um, so that, and so I really, you know, take a look at that with clients. Not everyone is going to have like, we've talked about perfect pelvic floor um, and it's not necessarily needed. So it is individual with clients, but I want to make sure that they can activate um, against gravity. It's quite helpful. Um, so that I would say would be key pelvic floor wise. Some of the other strength and impact tests that I'll assess are things like single leg bridge, single leg sit to stand, single leg balance and squat repetitions, jogging on the spot, as well as hopping on the spot on one leg. And these tests are also in the return to running postnatal guidelines. So another thing though to keep in mind, and you've heard us talk about this a lot too, and as a pelvic physio, you know, I don't, I don't isolate the pelvic floor. So what I just talked about in terms of pelvic floor activation, checking, you know, how it's working with the breath, that isn't like the, the, the start and end or the be all end all. There is many other components and exercise we're going to talk about, um, strength training, endurance, everything with with the whole body, upper body, lower body is as important as that pelvic floor. So I just want people to know it's not about just what the pelvic floor is capable of doing because I've had people return to running with various degrees of pelvic floor strength and they may or may not have symptoms and it doesn't necessarily correlate to what I test with their pelvic floor. So it just shows that there's other factors involved why someone, for example, might be leaking when they run. It might not be to do with the pelvic floor strength that you're testing. There's, there's other, other reasons that symptoms can happen. That's a really good point. I feel like people might be wondering, thinking about as they're listening to this, say someone is having some stress incontinence in their daily life. Is that a sign that they should not start running? So it's a good question. It can be, 
But again, I would say it would be about um, seeing why they're having that. So if you are able to access a pelvic physio, because again, it may not necessarily be like a strength component that everyone assumes it is. Sometimes it's just coordinating those muscles or changing postures or different strategies. So I would say it's not necessarily um, a reason that they couldn't run because it's really about why it's happening. And sometimes you can change it fairly quickly. And I, I have some people who they can't, they, they came in and they said, yeah, coughing and sneezing is their thing, but they can run after their kids or they can go for a run and they're not leaking. So there, there can be kind of a relation to it, but not necessarily. Yeah, definitely. And something that a lot of my clients often wonder about is that they have an are managing pelvic organ prolapse of some degree, and they're having pop symptoms in their daily life. And that makes them feel nervous about returning to more intense exercise or running in particular. And sometimes that stuff doesn't add up either. They might have pelvic organ prolapse symptoms during their daily life when they are parenting and lifting kids and doing all the things, but then it feels fine when they are running or doing more intense exercise. So sometimes it can just feel confusing and like it doesn't make sense. But if you feel like during the run or during the exercise, things actually feel better, then that can be a great thing for you to do and continue to do. All right, so let's get right into then the prep and foundational work that we encourage our clients and patients to do when they are able to before they actually start going back to running. I think the mindset is a, a lot of times early postpartum when we get that clearance from our healthcare provider that we're good to go back to all the exercise, all the things that we just jump back into it. And that is not how we structure our programs and plans with our people if we are able to do things in a more progressive fashion. And again, this goes for running type exercises too. So instead of say, starting your first week back to running postpartum with 5k on three days of the week, what we actually might do is start with some prep work and that includes some strength in mobility work. What does this look like for your patients? Yeah, I would say, say the exact same thing. Um, I do a lot of strength training with any of my clients who want to run and I do see a variation. I do see some high intense, more kind of serious runners and others who, you know, they want to run because it's the one thing that they can just leave their house and go for a run and it doesn't require anything other than running shoes. So I see a variety of levels. And yeah, strength training is really key. So some of the kind of foundational movements, aside from kind of the pelvic floor, but again, we bring, both Jess and I bring pelvic floor into movement. It's not kind of do pelvic floor work and then separate it. So I always bring it into movement too. But some of the key foundation um, movements or exercises involve bridge progressions, lunge progressions, um, a lot of balance work. Um, and bringing that into impact and thoracic rotation. So something I love to do is actually bring lunge, like lunge work with rotation, thoracic rotation into it. 
Um, that's something that I had heard a lot from Julie Weeb, who's a physio in the US. Um, and I just find it works super well. And especially postpartum, because if you're listening to this and you are pregnant or you have been pregnant, you may notice that like your rib cage, your thoracic spine can feel stiff. And so I have a lot of clients work on mobility there throughout pregnancy for that reason. But then also when you're going back to running postpartum, if that area is still feeling really kind of stiff and restricted, when you're going for a run, we actually should be getting some thoracic rotation and kind of that arm swing happening. And if you don't necessarily work on that postpartum and you're really restricted there and you're running, like a lot of that force and pressure is then more so on your lower body, potentially your pelvic floor. So I think of that as like your shock absorber is getting that rotation. We really want that. So that's something I, I work a lot on with my postpartum clients regardless, but especially for my runners, it can make a big difference with how they feel while they're running. So those I'd say would be kind of the key foundation exercises and progressing them. So initially when we're checking things out, we may start with kind of the basic movements, but then the next time I see them, we're keep progressing it to the point that they're really challenged with that next um, version of the exercise potentially, and then keep going from there and then eventually adding impact into it as well. So. I'd say those are probably the key ones. And then also um, different plank versions uh, that I will do and actually bring impact into it. So once we get to the point, um, if they're on hands and toes for different plank variations, um, this was another one I saw from Julie Wee, which I loved is, I call them plank jacks, but like jumping jacks as planks, which you may think like, that sounds quite interesting. Um, my clients love doing it. Like it's a great progression. And then you're getting that impact. You can work on your breath work, but you're horizontal. So it's different impact on the pelvic floor. So especially my clients who are leaking with running or prolapse symptoms, working horizontally with impact. And I do that as well with my Pilates background on the reformer. I'll have people do actually jump work horizontal. So then they're getting used to kind of that sensation in the body but it's not as much impact because they're not against gravity so those are some of my favorite ones um what yeah. about you jess yeah i love that all super smart yeah my programming takes very similar trajectory what i recommend to my people is that they do four to eight weeks of a full body strength training program before going back in to running and that's going to depend usually on how long someone is postpartum. If they are six months postpartum, then we might do a four-week plan before going back to running. But if they're two months postpartum, maybe eight weeks is going to set them up for a better, more comfortable return. And that can be like one, two, three days a week of strength training. That's what it would look like for my clients. Basically, none of my people are doing more than three times a week. Most people are doing one or two, and that can still be enough. This doesn't have to look like a five or six day a week type program. I love what you said about that rotation through the torso, the upper body. That was something that I learned from physio Robin Kerr, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get through this episode. But yeah, that gentle rotation from 11 o'clock to one o'clock, that's how I remember it in my head from what Robin taught me. 
The other thing that I like to include in the strength training programming is having them do exercises where they need to breathe normally throughout. So like you said, getting your people training in plank variations, I love that because they have to keep breathing. It's not like squats or deadlifts, which I also would include where there's this distinct inhale and exhale on certain parts of the exercise, which is great too. But also we need to train how to breathe under this load and pressure and tension throughout because that is what running is going to be for them. So I love it. Tons of glute strength, unilateral, lower and upper body work, returning to a little bit of plyos. If we can get that stuff in before we return to running, it's probably going to feel quite good for someone. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, in terms of um, some of the impact we were talking about before, and maybe we'll get to that a little bit later about the incline, um, but to know like even indoors, um, I was talking about like I use stairs a lot with clients because it's that incline um, and it's been nice right now, especially when people haven't necessarily been able to go outside, um, depending where you live. Uh, and during the winter too here in Canada, it's nice to use the stairs. So that's a nice way for the impact for incline. Yeah, so let's talk about that. How do you actually start running postpartum? Do you just start? Do you like set your timer for 20 minutes and just run as far and as fast as you can? Or is there a different, better way? Yeah, I know we're, we're the same with this is like intervals. I find um, I do that a lot. And so whether it's like the stairs or I always ask like, do you have a hill near you around your house? And depending where they live, it might be yes or no. Um, so if it's not, I say use the stairs. Um, but doing that quick pace up and then walking down, that that's often how I'll have people actually start because going on that incline will help um, even their positioning. So I often find with running, having the ribs more forward um, over the pelvis seems to help with symptoms and people's comfort when they're running. Um, so that's often something I'll start with. So stairs or like hill intervals, or if they have a treadmill at home, amazing, same thing, you can do the incline. Um, and flat with that. So that's often what I'll do and start with intervals rather than how you're saying like the steady state 10 or 20 minutes. Like it's, I find the intervals seem to give a better result. Yeah, totally agree. So I love that approach to hill, incline, some type of thing that you can walk or then start to run up. And we should just mention that too. It can be a great Thing before you even get back to running up that incline to start walking up it and walking down. That might be the perfect place for you to start if actual running doesn't feel quite right for you at this time. So we can do that incline type interval work, walking or running, and then we can start taking this to flat ground. Also a note that it can feel way comfier on the body to be running on grass versus running on the sidewalk or the road can just be a bit more jarring to the body. So if you are able to start on grass, that might be nice for you. So going from the incline, bringing it down to this flat ground, what I program for my clients is this interval sprint type work. 
And people are usually really surprised by this because they think that it is going to feel terrible. It is going to feel like too much on their body. They think that they're not fit enough to be able to do this, but you are, you are, and it can be a really nice way to start. So sprint work is just running at a bit of a faster clip. And this can look like a lot of different speeds. It is totally relative to your body. So run quick for a short amount of time. And this literally looks like 10 seconds for my people when they start out. They walk back to the spot where they started from or they just keep walking along the sidewalk if they are out and about in their neighborhood. Full recovery and then start again. Quick pace for 10 seconds walk or stop full recovery and start again this is nice to get this full recovery because then you can actually feel prepped and ready to go push yourself for the next interval it also can give you kind of a chance to catch your breath allow maybe your belly to relax a little bit maybe your pelvic floor to come down if you're someone who is more prone to tension There can also just be a lot to focus on when you're getting back into running. And if you are someone who might be a bit hyper aware to thinking about the pelvic floor symptoms that you're experiencing, keep that run time short and then chill out before you start again. And then you can just, if you want to, and I want to mention this too, returning to running doesn't have to look like wanting to train for a half marathon. It can look like just wanting to do a little bit of running that is only sprints. And that's what it is for me. I'm, this body wasn't meant to run long distances. This body was meant to sprint. 10, 15 seconds feels amazing. I love it. I love to feel fast. And then I love to rest. So that's what I do. And I have no goals to run further than that. So maybe it is that you just stay with sprints or you start to increase that time and that volume And you do start to run a little bit further. You bring the pace down and you bring the volume up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to know too. It's like, depending what you have as well. That's why I kind of like the stairs Um, because it is a relatively quick, like most people at most will have maybe 10 or or 12 to 14 in a row. Um, So that is kind of a nice, it kind of forces you to do that short amount of time. Other people, if they have a longer hill outside and it's going to take them a bit longer to get up, then I tell them like, go based on how you feel. Like typically a hill is not going to be that long. Um, So whether it's like a minute or two, and it may not be a sprint going up, but a faster pace and then walking down. So to know there can be variations, but it's, I find it's, yeah, those shorter periods and the intervals just make a big difference. Um, And I was going to mention one other thing too, because with this being about postpartum, I do get a lot of clients ask about strollers and running with a stroller. And what I talk about clients is I ask them like, realistically, what is it going to look like for you? Because some people, the only way they're going to get out is with their stroller, with their baby or baby and toddler in it. Other people are like, no, I only want to go out by myself. So it really depends what, what is possible for you. I talk to clients, if there is an option, initially going by yourself can be helpful so that you can get what Jess and I talked about, that rotation. Because if you picture pushing that stroller, 
it's, it's hard to get that rotation because you're holding that stationary, right? So sometimes I'll work around it with clients if they do need the stroller, whether it's pushing with one arm so they can get some rotation and then alternating sides with it. Um, finding different ways to work around it, but I find it makes a difference if you can get that rotation. That's such a good point. Yeah, that's really smart. And that's going to be something that will come up for tons of people. I love that tip of switching arms, switching sides, if you can, which is probably going to feel very weird on one side of the body versus the other. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, so what happens if you're during the runtime and you start to feel or experience, say, pelvic floor symptoms or sensations that feel off. So maybe you feel like you're getting some pelvic pain that's coming up or your prolapse is starting to feel bulgy or you're starting to leak. What do you do? Do you just stop and say, forget it, I'm never going to do this again? Or can we adjust during that time? Yeah. So when I have my clients, I, I try to, um, give them some information ahead of time to be able to check in with their body so that they know what strategies to look for. And it goes back to, you know, notice when it's happening when you're doing it. So some people might not feel it to the end of whatever duration they were thinking of doing. So in that case, it could be a fatigue issue, an endurance issue. Um, and so I have them check in with their body. Like, what does it feel like to you? Do you feel are you still feeling strong in the rest of your body, but yet you're leaking or having your prolapse symptoms? Or do you feel like your rest of your body feels like it's past its threshold and now you're starting to get symptoms? So looking at that way, because it could just be okay with the next run, maybe it's doing less time and see when you get to your threshold and that's going to give you information of what to kind of stick with initially and then work your way up. It would be the same thing when we talk about uh, like box jumps or skipping, any kind of impact movement. So that's something to have them check in with. But also it could be, again, when you're fatigued, maybe it's that your weight is more back rather than being in that forward propelling forward motion. So that might affect the pressure potentially on your pelvic floor or just how, um, yeah, kind of how the body is working with pressure there. So that might be affecting your symptoms too. So sometimes it's a matter of just adjusting your like posture within the running and then that changes it. The other thing I have them is checking with their breath. If you're at a point where you're not keeping that breath that Jess was talking about, if you're not keeping that going, that might affect your symptoms. So sometimes it's just a matter of checking with your breath and focusing on that a little bit again. And then they might notice that those symptoms change. So I would say that it's not at all or none. Um, and I know people are happy when they, when they hear that, that I'm like, we just need to adjust. Like we need to figure out what are the factors that might be contributing to it. And we're just going to adjust them and test them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people can get really nervous and upset if they do feel those symptoms coming up during the runtime. But honestly, it's just good information and we can work with that information usually regardless of what the thing is that is happening. I was recently doing some sprints myself and I was trying to think if I could come up with like a quick little acronym that my clients could use during their runtime, a few little things that they could remember if they were experiencing those symptoms during the runtime. And this is what felt right to me. So it's three R's, reach, relax, 
and rotate. So the first R, reach, this is actually going to be in two directions. So you're going to slightly reach your body forwards. And I always think about this, I think because it was a cue a gymnastics coach told me, was to run in the direction where you want to go. Lean in the direction where you want to go. So it is this slight tipping forward of the axis of your body. Slightly in forward, so you're reaching. But then you're also reaching your feet backwards. So as soon as you plant with your foot, then push it backwards. Push it back behind you. So upper body slightly reaching forward and then feet reaching backwards. And that is going to help propel you. And you're also going to get a lot of strength from your hamstrings and glutes during that. Second R is relax. Whole body, really, to let some tension go. But then specifically in your abdomen, in your belly, in your pelvic floor too. And this is something that we've talked about before, but when people might be feeling like they're going to leak, then they start to clench through the belly and the pelvic floor. And that's probably not what we want to be doing. We instead want to allow some of that pressure and that tension to chill out. So number two, second R is to relax. And then the third R, which we already talked about, is that cue to rotate. So we do want this slight rotation, 11 o'clock to one o'clock in the upper body. And that will, again, help you to stay relaxed, but then also can remind you to keep breathing and to not be robotic through the upper body through that runtime. So the three R's, reach, relax, rotate. You can use them during the run if you start to feel tight, stiff. If you start to feel like you're having any incontinence or prolapse or pain symptoms, try these first before feeling like running is not the right thing for you at this time. Yeah, I love that. I love all the acronyms that you come up with. They're, they're always so relatable. It's perfect. Um, and I love what you said. So the reach idea too, it also goes back to what we talked about with doing hills or stairs. Um, and so if you are noticing, let's say you're getting to a point where you are running flat and you're noticing you're having symptoms, it could be a sign maybe to bring what you're doing back to a hill interval or a hill um, a hill is part of your run because you'll find what Jess talked about, about reaching forward with your upper body and then reaching your legs back. It's actually, it comes more naturally when you're on a hill because you need to do that. Otherwise you would fall back. Yeah, exactly. It forces you to get into that position. And also once they start returning to running, if possible, I'll have them have someone else video them from the front side and back as they run because this can also give great information and allow us to work on different strategies if they are experiencing symptoms while they're running. Yeah, I love that. Okay, last couple things we want to talk about before we wrap up. You might want to warm up and that's going to be surprising coming from me because I'm team no warm up before you work out. But before you run, I feel like it's a bit of a different story, especially if you're going into some interval or sprint or quicker pace type work, you might want to do a few things before actually getting into it, especially if you're like me since pregnancies, I feel like my feet and ankles have never recovered from that. So you might want to get in some body weight movements and that could be some squatting, some hinging, some lunging, single leg stuff, 
maybe a little bit of plyos, a little bit of jumping, bounding of some sort before going to the run. Yeah, I would agree. It's, um, I have some clients, they find almost doing a few of those things also just allows them to get kind of in the mindset, not to be hyper vigilant about any of the things we're talking about, because we don't want you to be super focused on like, okay, what is my pelvic floor doing while I'm running? Because um, you want to get to the point where you feel, like Jess said, like relaxed about it in terms of what that. So, um, but I just find a lot of people find just doing a few of those things ahead of time allows you just to kind of feel like you've kind of connected with your body ahead of time before you head in for that run, regardless of how long it is. And then would you recommend that people stretch after running? Because I feel like that's going to be on people's minds too. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. It's the, in terms of like research, I know that, you know, with about stretching of like, should you and when you and dynamic versus static, and you don't necessarily need to after. Um, I would say something though, to keep in mind, let's say you are doing sprints, give yourself some time to cool down, whether it's like walking a bit after like taking some time rather than completely like stopping and then, you know, being stationary for a while, like give yourself some time to cool down a little bit. So that I would say can be a time to, to do a little bit of that. You can do static stretching if that feels good to you. Um, but I wouldn't say that you would, you would have to do that. Perfect. All right. Last thing we'll touch on is how do you progress this? So say running is something that you want to be doing more of. You really, really love it. Maybe you want to train for a race of five or 10 K. How much should you, or would you add on per week of running time or volume? Again, I find with clients, it's different. Um, and depending on where, where they are postpartum, but also even symptom wise. So I usually do smaller increments. Um, especially if we're talking more at like a three months postpartum, if they're ready to go back. So I'm even having people add on whether it's like five minutes, because I think sometimes people will do like, they'll get to the point of like, okay, well, I'm running 10 or 20 minutes, and then they'll kind of double it right away. And I usually say do smaller increments, um, see how you feel and depends on also how often you're running too. So if you're running, let's say twice a week, you want to test the same at least a few times before then noticing how do you feel during your run? How do you feel the day after your run? What are your symptoms like? Okay. You've done that for a week or two, then add on. Um, so that's typically what I'm starting with. And then once they get to a certain point, like even if it's getting, and again, depends on their goals, but let's say you get to kind of 30 minutes, um, of doing whether it's like intervals to varying degrees then if their goal is to then do that set steady state running then we're starting to increase the amount of time they're actually running shortening the amount of time that they're walking um, with it so then they build up to that 30 minute steady state and going from there but again it's going to be individual depending on their goals and their their background or experience with running as well all of that is going to play in, into what progression is going to look like yeah, that's great advice. That is definitely along the lines of what I would recommend too. And like you said, testing things out for a few sessions or a few weeks. So if you did five of your sprint intervals on week one, 
for my clients, we keep things the same for two to four weeks and then add on from there. And it's not going to look like adding on another five intervals to the session. It might be adding on two intervals to the session, holding there, seeing how we react and respond, and then changing it up and progressing and whatever that means to progress. Maybe that is more volume or more intensity or it's the intensity comes up and the volume goes down or the volume goes up and the intensity comes down. Like you were talking about with extending those run times, if that is the direction in which you want to go. But I think that that might be the big takeaway from this is to hold what you are doing for a few sessions, a few weeks, and then start to add on from there. And just one other thing that I was thinking can be good to mention too is, you know, if you're, especially we're talking about postpartum, things like sleep hormones. So if you're nursing or if you're not nursing, but you're still within those first few months postpartum, all those things can play a role in how you're going to feel if you are running or exercise in general. But to also keep that in mind, like if you've been up with your little one or little ones all night, maybe running the next day, even if that was your plan to do, it might look different, whether it's you decide to wait to run that day um, to, to another day and you might do a different workout. You may not do a workout at all you may change the volume or the, the amount of time you're going to be running. So those things I talk to my clients about too, because I think that's not really considered. We don't think about sleep and hormones and, you know, have you had a chance to eat that day? Have you drank water? All these things can really affect how you feel. So if you then go for running, you're symptomatic. I actually will have clients. I'm like, okay, let's go through like what else happened earlier that day? How was your sleep that night? How is baby sleeping? And it's not like I have two little ones who, and especially my first one, didn't didn't love to sleep. So I totally know what that feels like. And it's just something that I think it's helpful to, to just bring that back in, how those things will affect, can affect how you feel when you're exercising, including impact. Absolutely. So important. We tend to have somewhat of a loose rule with my clients that, We want to shoot for seven hours of sleep per night, even if that isn't all together at the same time, but seven hours of sleep and then deciding if the workout for the day is the right choice. If you got five or six, maybe it's not the right day to run. Maybe the run needs to be adjusted on that day. And like you said, too, with hormonal stuff and cycling postpartum, your actual menstrual cycle, this is why I like to hold things for two to four weeks before we change anything. I always program in four-week phases for my clients because things can be so different from day to day and week to week in your body and in your life. So the experience of exercise, the experience of your pelvic floor function can be ever-changing. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 